Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast. I am your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's Brother on TSN's Overdrive. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show on Twitter while you're at it, at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a rating, leave a comment too. Once we get to 50 ratings and reviews, we're going to host a giveaway. So get those reviews in and let's win some prizes. All right, today, big day, lots of news and notes, uh, not only in Leafsland, but around the league, so I'll be sure to get to all that, update you all on what's going on with the Maple Leafs as well as around the league. Uh, we did have some news drop um, in regards to our Hart Trophy nominations, so I'll, I'll get to that. A couple of players who are rejoining teams, some teams, some players who still aren't with their teams, and also uh, a decent contract extension uh, that kind of tears at the heartstrings that I want to talk about a bit too. What we'll do that later on, also be going through my uh, my list of the three players that I'm most excited to see once the playoffs start back up. So I got three guys who I'm going to talk about there. But first, let's go ahead and let's talk about the news and notes around Leafland because that's really what is most important at this point because finally, for the first time, I have the opportunity to actually talk about some on-ice product and talk about what's going on on the ice, what the guys are doing, what the lineups look like, how much tinkering there is going on, some injuries, some players coming back. Like There's finally some actual news to talk about. I'm not just making things up and I'm not just talking about nonsense uh, for the better part of of 30 40 minutes like i would say kind of the last oh i don't know four months worth of podcasts have been i mean i don't think they've been nonsense i hope they've been okay and they've entertained you through you know the pandemic i hope i did a decent job um but now it's it's finally here it's it's we're just under or just over a week away from playoff hockey um so i'm really excited uh, about that obviously uh but something that happened today in leafs camp zach hyman returning to the lineup after his injury uh so he returns when and joined uh matthews and mitch marner so that is the top line right there and sheldon Keefe still doing a bunch of tinkering to to the line so obviously you notice you know nylander moved back to to playing with Tavares again marner moving back up you know we talked about last time that superhero line of Matthews Marner and Tavares over the weekend and on Monday um and then yesterday Nick Robertson had a chance to play with Matthews so there's just so much so many moving parts here uh, or on Monday Nick Robertson did but so many moving parts here uh and and Keith just really getting a tinkering and still just getting a look at at what lines look like and what he wants to roll with going forward you know that's really what the preseason's all about but unfortunately we don't really have a full preseason right you just kind of got to get back into games now the thing here is the difference is you kind of know who you want to play uh, in in what most regard and and you've watched these guys for for quite some time now so you kind of have an idea of what you want to do that being said there are there is a specific player who hasn't had much time with Sheldon Keefe who is starting to kind of kind of get some bonus points with Keefe or so it seems and that's Nick Robertson. Now, I still, still am going to dig in and say that he does not make the opening night lineup for Game 1 next Sunday night when they play the Columbus Blue Jackets. I still don't think that he's going to be ready and Sheldon Keefe is, is going to be able to to trust him and rely that he's going to be able to get the job done um, in, in, a, in, a, in a playoff atmosphere. It's his first NHL atmosphere. Uh, but that being said, you know, this is his second straight day, second straight practice where he's skated on a third line 
with Kerfoot and Kapanen. So you've got Robertson, Kerfoot, and Kapanen. I, I, I like that line, theoretically. I think that that is a, a great third line. You know, Nick Robertson, although he is small, um, he's he's got a little bit of an edge to him. You know, he can kind of be a little bit of a, of a pesty guy, and, and, and he's not afraid to go and dig for the puck in corners. And, you know, I, I think that, you just automatically assume, oh, what, he's five foot seven, 160 pounds and offensively skilled. Okay, write him off in the defensive end. But he's not. He's kind of tenacious on the puck. And we saw, you know, a clip of that uh, last week when he was doing puck battle drills. Now, keep in mind, it's a puck battle drill. So that's literally what he had to do. That's that's quite the whole point of the drill where he had to go one-on-one into the corner with Muzzin. Now, he didn't come away with the puck, but he was tenacious on his man and ended up stealing it and getting the puck back and ended up turning into a scoring chance. Again, I get it. They're one-on-one drills and it's kind of supposed to uh, showcase that skill set. So I, I do understand that, but all I'm saying is that it's there, right? So the problem is, do you trust him to be on that third line full-time? Because the guy who's coming off the list and who's going to come out of the lineup is going to be Pierre Engvall. So he skated as an extra for the past couple of, couple of games, which I find to be really, really strange. Because if you think about the connection that Pierre Engvall and Sheldon Keefe have, you know, Engvall's really like that piece that... Keith molded through the the AHL and kind of turned this player who, you know, was, I believe he was, what, a seventh round pick, like, years ago, and then just, you know, year by year, developed and developed and developed, and eventually this season, when Sheldon Keith finally got the job um, and, and took over for Babcock, it wasn't long after that, we saw Pierre Engvall come in, and, and he was exceptional the first couple of games under Keith. I think it was just because, you know, Keith knew what he could do, right? So I think... The fact that there is this bond between these two players, and and I think Keith knows what Engvall can do, but he also knows what he can't do. So maybe he's thinking, okay, yeah, he was good for the first 10 to 15 games, had a little bit of a bump once he got to the NHL, but then he did fizzle off towards the end of the season. And I don't think, I don't think that, Keith doesn't believe that Engvall could be an NHLer because I think that he could be an NHLer, but he might be a guy who's better suited for the fourth line. But you're not going to supplant uh, Spezza, or you're not going to take away uh, a guy you traded for in Kyle Clifford, right? So it's kind of like third line or bust for Engvall, which means Nick Robertson. It's kind of third line or bust for him. Uh, so I think that third line spot next to Kerfoot and Kapanen. It's going to be one of those two guys, and I think that's the only spot that I see Nick Robertson fighting for at this point. You know, the top six is locked in. Those top six guys are locked. If there's anywhere that I see Robertson pushing for a spot, it's going to be on that third-line wing spot over Pierre Engvall. That is the only option I think that the Leafs have of putting this kid in the lineup throughout the playoffs, barring injuries, of course, where things get shuffled up anyways. But that's going to be the spot if he get if he does get into the playoff or he does get a look in actual game play. That's where it's going to be. Um, and even Engvall, he may start playing with this team. But something interesting happened today, which apparently actually has been happening for a few weeks now. But Chris uh, and Shilton of TSN, lease reporter, she tweeted out a video of Andreas Janssen 
out on the ice skating and shooting pucks, getting his own little skate in and practice. You know, he's obviously hasn't been cleared for contact yet, but um, this is a player who seemingly was done for the year, and now we hear that it's possible that he could end up returning and, and, and pretty darn soon. I, I think uh, Sheldon Keefe said that it's most likely that he'll end up joining them once they enter the, quote, bubble, uh, which they're already in Toronto, so I'm not too sure exactly what that means. They're kind of already in the bubble, I suppose. But, you know, Janssen, once once you get to the bubble, you can't leave. So I think once they, they talk about that, once you bring somebody in, they're there. And if you're bringing someone into the bubble, that means that you plan on using them. So even Engvall, if Andres Janssen returns, he may have to, to take that spot. Or he, he goes and plays on the second line, and then Ilya Mikheyev gets bumped down to, to the third line. And then that Kerfoot, Kapanen, and Mikheyev line, which I absolutely love as a line. I think that's, that's a tremendous third line, by the way. <laughs> um, I think that is a pretty good line, and that could be something that we see if Janssen ends up returning uh, a lot sooner than we anticipated. So, well, we didn't even assume that he was going to return at all. I thought maybe once, because the season got extended, that he could return, but there really wasn't much news on it. And even when Sheldon Keefe a few months ago talked about all the guys who had injuries, like, yep, Mikheyev, he'll be back, Muzzin, he'll be back, everyone's healthy, uh, still not too sure on Andreas Janssen. But after seeing uh, seeing some positive steps today, watching him skate out, um, not with the team, but watching him skate after practice and, and taking some shots, it, it doesn't seem like he's too far away. Away from game action, which is a really, really good sign too. You know, depth is the name of the game. So if uh, if if Pierre Engvall and Nick Robertson turn out to be just depth pieces that they'll be able to use if injuries uh, start to pile up, and, and don't get me wrong, there are going to be injuries. There's always injuries. You know, I, I would be very, very surprised if the Leafs went on a big, long playoff run and didn't sustain a single injury, which uh, which would force them to dip into their depth. And, and having good players like this, I think, is is great. Uh, so that's good news. Andreas Janssen skating and will probably end up joining the Leafs once they enter the bubble. Uh, so that that's, that's a really, really good sign. All right. Okay, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano is still with you here. All right, so now we're going to take a look at the three players that I'm most excited to see once the season starts back up. Once, you know, next weekend, once we get hockey back, once the playoffs begin, the qualifying round, I suppose, who am I most excited to watch? Not necessarily the best players on the team, but who am I actually excited to see? And, and so I have a top three list here, and I'll start with my third player. So I'll go from third to second to the most excited player. So believe it or not, Kasperi Kapanen. I'm excited to see what Kasperi Kapanen brings because, you know, it it feels like it's so long ago, but back in about, I don't know, maybe like January, February-ish area, right before all the COVID stuff really started to hit, he was really starting to find his role in the NHL. You know, like he's not a guy who who was going to be able to keep up with the Joneses. He wasn't going to compete with Marner or or Nylander or Matthews. He just wasn't going to be that guy. He's the same age category as that team, and and that was kind of the era where they they really bred this whole you know future. And he was always a name that was involved with them. But at the end of the day. Unfortunately, he's just not that player, and I think it took him until now to realize that. And that's a good thing, though, because you can't just have, 
you know, though, like not every team has that. I would, I wish that every team had, you know, four or five guys who can put up 30 goals, uh, 75, 80 plus points a year like I wish that was the case but I don't think Kapanen is that he I think was realizing that and um I think he just realized that he needs to live more in the Hyman Mikheyev zone to be an effective player for the Maple Leafs could he be a top six guy elsewhere I think he could because he has shown that he has uh, he's got a really good shot he's got really good speed good hockey sense um and and what we've seen actually over well what we did see over the last month two months before the season pause was his willingness to uh, play two ways, right? So I, I, I do believe that that Kasperi Kapanen, I just hope that the play that he w- he just picks up where he left off at the end of the day. I wanted to pick up where he left off, so I'm excited to see if that is the case, right? Like Kasperi Scrappanen was what we were calling him. He was a guy who was going out there getting into fights. It was it was something that we just never saw before, and it was because he realized, okay, I can't be Mitch Marner. I can't be William Nylander. I got to be more like a Hyman Mikheyev type, and if that means going into the dirty areas, going into the corners, getting pucks, if that means blocking shots, if that means dropping the mitts, and that's how we're going to have to win hockey games for, uh, for the Maple Leafs, that's what I'm going to do. And he finally, I think, something clicked in him, and he bought in, and I just hope that that mentality hasn't faded away over the last few months, and I hope that he keeps it going, because that's going to be a good recipe for success for the for the Maple Leafs. So, Kasperi Kapanen, really excited to see uh, if he's going to be able to if he's going to be able to keep it going uh, through to the playoffs. All right, secondly, this one's a bit of a cheat, but Austin Matthews, obviously. I think any Leafs fan, it just wants to watch Austin Matthews play hockey because it's fantastic. Like, what he, the leap that he took this season to being a premier two-way centerman in this league is amazing to watch. It makes me really excited to be a Leafs fan, really excited to, to, to be covering the Leafs and watching them um, and, and talking about them because I get to talk about one of the league's best players. I said it. He is one of the league's best players. Does that mean best top five, top 10, top 20? I don't know. But I do believe that he is considered, he is going to be considered a top player in this league for a very long time. And I think this season he showed the progression that he is, that he can make on a year-to-year basis when A, he's healthy, and B, buying into playing defensively as well. And a guy that size, we've always known that that, that he had it in him, that he should have it in him to be premier two-way center. And this year, he finally showed it. So you couple that with, with what we've seen, his progression from earlier this year. You couple that with the fact that he came out and practiced the other day and said, nah, I want to shoot more. Yeah, I need to shoot a little bit more. Let's get some more goals up there. You know, there's a guy who was one goal away from tying Pasternak and Ovechkin for the Rocket this year. Like, this is a dude who can score at a will, has one of the best wrist shots in the game, and he wants to shoot more? Sign me up. Yes, please. Get it going, guy. Yes, guy. 100%. 1,000%. Yes, guy on that one. So really excited to see... Uh, what type of Austin Matthews we see. Plus, I think that uh, he's got a little bit of, of I don't want to say that he's underwhelmed in the playoffs in the past because if I recall, I, he played pretty well in the playoffs last year. But the first couple of seasons in the playoffs, yeah, he was a little bit underwhelming. So I think also if he can prove that he can be a big-time playoff performer uh, and get that 
you know, kind of that monkey off the back uh, type thing who, who can't play under pressure or can't play in the tough games. Uh, I think that would be that would go a very long way in uh, in what the league thinks about Austin Matthews. So excited to, to watch him. And the most important player that I am excited to watch. Ilya Superman Mikheyev. If you guys are rather new to listening to this podcast, I was the biggest Mikhaev truther before he got hurt. I had the biggest crush on this man. He was always so we, we do, you know, the good, the good, the bad, the ugly for, for least losses, and we do the better or the good, the better, and the best. And I, I swear, Mikhaev was always the best. I I thought that he always made my my list just because he's a guy he's kind of like a hymen type player where he's just a tenacious guy always 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 goes and fights for the puck um he was scoring he was kind of new he was shy but also he was like really funny and 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 good with the media and and just the everyone adore him right like he had that one thing about soup and he was like oh what have you noticed here in canada he's like oh you guys don't eat soup that often like soup's amazing why don't you guys eat soup like and they got the nickname superman right um and now he's playing with with soupy obvious jack campbell um so you got soupy and superman uh, so you know Ilya mckayev's a guy who he's back from injury and I hope that he can pick up where he left off. It was a brutal injury, but you know when 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 you get an injury to to like your wrist, right? He had a wrist uh, laceration from a skate. I don't want to say that it's not going to affect you because it probably still will 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 affect him a little bit. But it's not like it was like a knee injury or uh, or a shoulder injury or a groin injury where it's really going to affect his play. A wrist. I think he can get past and he can strengthen that. And as long as he keeps playing with the give me the puck, I'm hungry, I want to score, I want to help my team the best I can attitude, this guy's going to be unbelievable to watch. I think he's, he's going to be, like he's such a diamond in the rough find for this regime. And he's going to be a tremendous Maple Leaf for years. And I like him playing with whether it's going to be Tavares and Marner or Tavares and Nylander, just send him out there, go get the puck, get it out to to uh, to the two goal scorers in in Tavares and and Marner or, or Nylander or Marner. Go sit in front of the net and, and either bang out rebounds or or uh, get your butt out in front of of the goaltender. Like this, it's it's honestly, I'm really excited to see Mikheyev because I haven't watched him since when he go down January, I believe it was January he went down, so we haven't seen him in a while. These other guys, Matthews, you know, Nylander and, and Tavares, yeah, we saw him in March. Haven't seen Mikheyev since the the new year, basically. So I'm I'm super excited to for him to be back and, and I hope that he can pick up where he left off. What do you have? Fifteen points or twenty three points? We have twenty three points in thirty nine games. Um and for a kid who there wasn't that much expectation on him going into the season just because yeah, he came over from Russia. Uh, he's he's still rather young-ish, and uh, he's never played on North American ice. So we got to give him, you know, some a chance to uh, assimilate to to the North American style game. It didn't take him long. 
it really did not take him long. It only took him a couple of weeks to become, you know, the apple of my eye, uh, kind of an unsung hero early on, especially when the team was missing Zach Hyman. So uh, it, it was an, a really nice ad because it was a, an element to the Leafs that, that we really were missing. Um, so to have him back in the lineup, I think, is going to be a, a big boost for the team. Um, and, and I'm really excited uh, to, to get to watch him once again because he's a treat. He's a treat both on and off the ice. All right, uh, real quick on the other side, we've got some news and notes from around the league that I'll get to. So uh, we'll be right back here on the Locked On Leafs podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast. Uh, Mike DiStefano still with you. Uh, all right, let's go around some uh, some news and notes from around the league uh, so we had the Hart Trophy nominations get announced today. So that's going to be Leon Dreisaitl of the Edmonton Oilers, Nathan McKinnon of the Colorado Avalanche, and Artemi Panarin of the New York Rangers. Once again, just like other trophy nominees, you'll notice a name that's not there. Connor McDavid. He's the best player in the world. How can he not be nominated for a Hart Trophy? And I think the answer is, you know, I, I don't even have the an, an answer. I was going to try and come up with something about like, oh, when you're playing with a team, when you have somebody, you know, as good as, as Drysaddle with you, you know, maybe you're not considered the most the most important player, which is technically what the, the, the Hart Trophy is, the most valuable player. But uh, you can't say that because Drysaddle made it. Now, McDavid had some injuries this year and Drysaddle just kept her going, just kept it going. Um, so I guess that's why they decided to put him in over McDavid. I, I could only assume that would be why. Also, the fact that I mean he led the whole league in 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 point scoring, like 110 points in 71 games, is unbelievable, unbelievable. Uh, and he was scoring goals. He was doing it, you know, along with McDavid, but also driving a line on him by himself. So he's well deserving of it. Nate McKinnon also very well deserving of it. Like you look at the injuries that ha- they had in Colorado, and he just kept that team going, right? Kale McCarr missed a good chunk of the season. Uh, Gabriel Landeskog missed a lot. Miko Rantanen was out for for I believe about four to six weeks or so. Like they were missing a, a good good amount of of uh, games played from a lot of talented players on their team. A lot of guys who they rely on to win games. Plus, I think they had some goalie uh, injuries to, to Grubauer. Pavel Francouz had to come and, and play well, which which he did. So, you know, not that McKinnon, I guess, is is helping Francouz play well. But, you know, that team just, you know, McKinnon kept them afloat at the end of the day. You know, you, you take McKinnon off that team with all those injuries that they had this season, I don't think they even make the playoffs. Like, you're going to tell me that Nazem Kadri, and we should know this as Leaf fans, that you're going to rely on Nazem Kadri to be your number one center? Hello, we've been there before, Leafs Nation. It doesn't go well. So, you know, McKinnon is very, very valuable to that team. And when you couple the injuries, I see why he was there for the nomination. So, Dreisaitl, yes, I guess you could give him over McDavid because he led the league in scoring. How are you going to leave him off? That makes sense. McKinnon. I just gave all those examples. It makes sense. He's got to be on the nomination. And then you've got Artemi Panarin. This is an interesting one because Artemi Panarin also less points than McDavid. 
I might add, two less points in five more games played for Artemi Panarin. 95 points in 69 games. But this guy, Panarin is playing like an all-star. Like, he's playing like an MVP. Let me, let me pull up. I believe it was Dmitry Filipovich uh, who tweeted out. Yeah, so Artemi Panarin. These are, these are, these are some of his stats, some, some of his advanced uh, statistics that Panarin put out this year, which is why he is right now garnering a lot of interest to win the MVP. And, and I mean, if this guy's, there, a lot of people are talking about how Panarin should win, well, obviously he needs to be on the ballot then. So that validates us. One, two, three, all three of those guys, you can't take any of them off the ballot, unfortunately, even though the best player in the league is still Connor McDavid. So here's what Dmitry Filipovich uh, tweeted uh, yesterday, yeah, tweeted yesterday about Panarin. He led the league in five-on-five scoring. So it's not even like this guy uh, relied on the power play. And that's something that the Oilers power play was clicking this season all year long. Uh, both Dreisaitl and McDavid racking up points on the power play. Now, that's not a bad thing because at the end of the day, it just matters how many you score. They don't care if you do it at 5-on-5. Five five. They don't care if you do it at 5-on-3, five 5-on-4, three, 3-on-3, five four, three three, whatever it is. You score more goals than the other team, you win. Your team scores, you're going to win. So, it's just nice to see that Panarin isn't just relying on having the open space because if, you're, if you lead the league in 5-on-5 five five scoring, well, I mean, that just means that you uh it just proves more consistency i guess in your in your play now a lot of people are saying yeah but he's playing with um playing with mika a lot and mika zibanejad was was you know having a terrific year 40 goals i believe this season one of the best players uh one of the best up and coming he's not really up and coming he's what 26 27 now but you know he's he's establishing himself as an elite player in this league now, why don't you go check your facts there? Because he actually, the most common line mates that he had this season, Ryan Strom, who was once considered to be a, a bust, a guy who was the fifth overall pick in the draft back in, oh, what was it, 2012? Maybe 2011? Early 2010s. Uh, Strom was was the fifth overall pick to the Islanders. Fast forward a decade and he's now got 60 points playing on a line with Panarin and Jesper Faust. Like, those are his two common line mates, Strom and Jesper Faust. So don't give me that, yeah, but, you know, he's on a great line with, with Zibanejad who put, put up 40 goals. So, of course, he's going to put up points. Well, he, he played with Zibanejad, but not as much as he was playing with Strom and Faust. So, sorry to tell you. And then let's look at his goals for and against. So, on ice at 5-on-5, five five, the Rangers... Scored 75 goals with Panarin on the ice, just 38 with him on the ice. So real quick maths here, it's basically, it's almost a 2-1, to 2-1 to one odds, pretty much. That's insane, and over a thousand minutes of 5-on-5 five five ice time. 2-1 to one odds, the Rangers were outscoring their opponents with Panarin on the ice. Two to one. Think about that. That's insane. Off the ice, they were outscored 105 to 75 in 225 or 2,225 minutes. So when he's off the ice, they're being scored at on a very large margin. 
than when uh, than when he's on the ice. So, yeah, he is an effective player. He drives scoring. Panarin's one of the best in the league. I'm putting my vote for Panarin. Doing that right now. Right now. After the Christmas break, 50 points in the final 53 in the final 33 games since Christmas and that led the entire league. So his second half extremely strong along with Zibanejad, of course. Together the two of them were arguably the top duo in the league. You could probably also make the case that Drysaitel and McDavid were there. 100% you could. But Panarin and Zibanejad, not too far off. Very underrated. And I'm going, I'm scared if I'm Carolina. I'm scared if I'm the Eastern Conference. That team, extremely underrated. They are a playoff team, both on paper and on the ice. And now they got, you know, that goaltending situation kind of figured out where, you know, they, they, they just had an aging Lundqvist who just wasn't the king anymore. Well, they've replaced him pretty darn quick with this Igor Shosturkin kid out of Russia. Oh, boy. The East is in trouble. They're in trouble. Uh, All right. Panarin is going to be my heart pick. A couple other quick notes. Uh, Sidney Crosby rejoining the team after he had left practice uh, over the weekend or or late last week and was deemed unfit to play. And the reason why this is noteworthy is pretty much only because – the unfit-to-play narrative is is starting to really annoy a lot of people because what does that mean? Nobody really knows. So it's like, what, how are we supposed to know if someone's day-to-day, week-to-week, or if they tested positive for COVID and are going to be missing multiple weeks and or be, you know, not able to compete in the playoffs? Like, I just feel like we kind of need to know these things, you know? And, and not everything could just be under the unfit-to-play category. So, the reason why Crosby was interesting was because there was a bunch of guys who tested positive a few weeks ago in Pittsburgh. And I think maybe the worry, at least in my head, right away, I was thinking, uh-oh. I wonder if he ended up getting it from one of those people when they rejoined the team. Uh, there was still maybe some leftover virus that he ended up getting from one of his teammates or maybe he got it out in public I, I don't know but that was one of the fears that was going through my head and I was like oh boy you you talk about a guy like Sidney Crosby if he can't play I mean Montreal might stand a chance if Crosby's not in that lineup I mean there's still a bunch of really good players they'll have Gensel and Malkin so, you know, they're not screwed, but that would have been huge. Um, David Pasternak, still not in Boston, says that he should be there next week. Um, and really good feel-good story. Oscar Lindblom, uh, if you guys don't remember, A, he is a nominee for the Bill Masterton Trophy for a uh, player that um, exemplifies uh, perseverance. So, his story, uh, back in December, he was having a career year. Like, this guy honestly was was really having himself a heck of a season. Um, I'll just quickly pull up exactly what his statistics were. But, like, I remember this guy. I don't know why I'm having so much trouble typing today. It is terrible. Uh, but this guy, honestly, it was having a great season um, and then had it, unfortunately, 
shortened because he was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a really rare form of cancer. And it took him, essentially, he was out for the season and do a whole bunch of, of chemotherapy. Um, and, and it was, it was kind of scary just because it was a super rare, rare form of cancer. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, uncertainty to whether or not when or if he was even going to return to hockey. And it actually seems like he's going to. There was a report out there today saying that he might be able to join the Philadelphia Flyers in the bubble, uh, which would be great. You know, I think that a player like Lindblom, who at 23 years old, finally started to figure it out in the NHL, right? This guy who came over from Sweden. And what we know about people who play uh, or the players who who come over from Europe is it's a little bit of an adjustment just because it's kind of a different game. You know, the the ranks uh, are are a little smaller and, and, you know, you, you have to adjust a little bit your playing style so uh, he's been now in North America for a couple seasons came over in 2017 2018 then played uh, you know played had 23 games in the NHL that year and then last year had his first full season and then this was supposed to be the year they took a big leap and he did take a leap it was uh, a really really good start to the season had 11 goals to the first 30 games 18 points total and uh, he was having a really, really good start to his third year. And there was a lot of reports coming out of Philly that, you know, this guy is is becoming a, a real piece for the team. Um, and then the season, unfortunately, was cut short because of uh, him being diagnosed with cancer. And it was at one point his whole career was threatened, right? Um, so, A definitely uh, master tin material but b if he can come back eight months after being diagnosed with cancer and come back and play meaningful hockey games for the floor for the the philadelphia flyers and try and help them in a playoff run and be an integral part at that boy what a story that would be what a story that would be it's already an amazing story like the fact that he he fought for his life and, and is going to be able to play hockey again but the fact that he could play just you know within the same year of being diagnosed uh is is truly truly amazing um and also today announced uh, that he will be signing an extension a three-year contract extension worth three million dollars annually so he'll be around in philadelphia for uh, for a few seasons a couple more years um and i think that they honestly believe that he could be a piece for them moving forward so I really hope that we get to see him play. He had a really, really solid start to the season. Uh, didn't get to finish it, but now it looks like he will, which is awesome. So um, congratulations first and foremost for A, looks like beating cancer and, and getting back on the ice, and B, getting yourself a contract extension um well deserved well deserved all right that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast i'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show you can subscribe to locked on these podcasts on all podcasting platforms and receive daily leafs content you can follow the show on twitter at locked on leafs follow myself at mickey underscore canuck and if you want some more hockey talk be sure to check out the locked on nhl podcast where me and four other locked on hosts discuss the latest news around the entire league as for this show i'll be back tomorrow with another episode but until then keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.